Jon Snow's watch is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Live post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are always having great conversations in semi-elegant rooms. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is the great Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm feeling a little ambitious tonight, Rob. I hear there's an opening for Lord Commander on the Night's Watch. <laughs> Is there? Oh, you're going to throw your hat in the ring? I'm not trying to say that I'm going to toss my tinfoil hat into the ring, but I might be saying that that is exactly what I am doing. I am advocating for the spot as Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Under Lord Commander Wiggler's Watch, we will be getting Pizza Fridays, it's going to be really good. Can't guarantee speedy delivery. The delivery times in the north are pretty serious, but I will do my best to get that pizza to you guys on time. All right. Well, very excited to be talking about Game of Thrones once again here live on Post Show Recaps. Uh, we have our chat room going. We're going to be taking your questions live in the show as well. Hashtag PS Recaps. And then also on our YouTube channel, postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. Uh, hell of a night. Hell of a season, Josh. It's happening. It's all happening. Jon Snow is alive. A bunch of people are dead. We should really not bury the lead here. Rob, you must be squealing with joy, uh, Tower of Joy over in your neck of the woods because we lost your least favorite character on the show by far, and it's not close. Okay. I don't normally do this. We try to, yeah. we're broadcasting, we're talking to a, a wide audience here, but I just want to speak directly to uh, one listener in particular, uh, Melisandra. Okay. Melisandre, I know you have a lot on your plate right now. You know that you're you're confused about your powers, what you can do, what you can't do. You stay away from Ollie, okay? Stay away from him. Stay, stay away, away from, from him. him. He's dead. Uh, Leave him dead. Let this maybe, one go. Maybe bring Alistair Thorne back. You know, I feel like a resurrected Alistair Thorne could be pretty sweet. But yeah, Ollie can stay. Ollie can Do stay. Do not touch Ollie. Yeah, leave Ollie alone. Leave Ollie alone. Oh, he had such yeah. a such a douche face all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, he kind of had shades of the Joffrey, right? Like, you know, you remember Joffrey's dead purple face from back in season four, episode two, when he chokes to death. And I got a little bit of a flashback to that with Ollie's dead face. I don't want to rejoice in the death of a child. This was really he messed up. He killed a man. He did kill a man. That man didn't stay dead. But you got to imagine that for John, like on some level, this felt real good. No, you know, even I was like, ah, he can't kill Ollie. But then I saw that look, that, that, that face, that yeah, face. He was like, oh, you know what? I, I can. I for can a kid. He has yeah. a highly punchable face, Ollie. <laughs> oh, man. He did. Wow, really kicking this dead man while he... I guess he's not quite down yet. They really they have to cut him down first. Even the faceless uh, men were like, you know what? That one, we're not going to take that one. We won't take that one. We won't take that one. That one's in use. Wow, really brutal. Brutal eulogy for Ollie here. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Alistair Thorne, even I said, okay, uh, he, maybe he wasn't such a bad guy. But Ollie, all the way to the bitter end. But uh, so much to talk about. Of course, uh, this is the first of our Game of Thrones podcasts for the week. Josh and I do a feedback show coming up later on during the week where we answer your questions that you got to uh, marinate over for a couple of days. Uh, we'll get to that on Wednesday. And then also we will get to the Game of Thrones book club. Got anything interesting from the books to talk about? Yeah, for sure we do. Well, there was some question as to whether or not the book club was going to exist still this week. We talked about that on the book club this past week, that if a certain thing does not happen in episode three of Game of Thrones season six, 
then the book club is canceled. We will break our oath to give you more book clubs. And that thing, Rob, I have to say, it did not happen on the show. So should we be on death alert for the Game of Thrones book club? No. Maybe. No. Maybe. And if it is, maybe. get Melisandre in there. But if, if it dies, we'll bring it back to life. So yeah. So you'll either get like the totally alive Game of Thrones book club this week or a resurrected version of it. Either way, you'll get a Game of Thrones book club. All right. Good to hear. Spoiler. Make sure you don't miss any of those things when you subscribe to the Game of Thrones podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes or search your favorite podcatcher for uh, Post Show Recaps. All right, Josh, let's get into everything. So Jon Snow, we wondered coming into the week, what was going to be the oath that was going to get broken? Yeah. When we talked about this. Is Jon Snow going to leave the Night's Watch? I'm like, he can't go. He's not going to come back from the dead and then quit yeah. his job. Where is he going to go? He totally pulls the Jerry Maguire move, uh, <laughs> minus the who's coming with me. Yeah. Who's coming with me besides Flipper here? Who's Flipper in this situation? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. He's like, Snow Ghost out. is kind of his Flipper. Yeah. Dropped the yeah, mic. He, dro- he dropped the mic. He dropped the Alicer. He dropped the Ollie. He dropped the Bowen Marsh. He dropped a lot of people. Where does he Maybe go? Maybe that fourth guy's name was Mike. Where is he going, Josh? Yeah, who knows? He's done with the watch, though. Uh, we had speculated about this throughout the week. Is Jon Snow going to leave the watch? Technically, his watch has ended. He died. You are only part of the Night's Watch until death. It says nothing about resurrection. So he is, I think, if we're, you know, if we got Maester Mazzaro on the line here, I think that he would tell us that legally this is kosher, uh, that Jon is able to leave the watch without repercussion. But it's an interesting move for him because you're right. Where is he going? This is a guy who has had eyeballs on the White Walker situation. He was at Hardhome. He knows better than just about anybody how real this situation is with the White Walkers storming toward Westeros. And the wall is the last line of defense between man and the undead, between the living and the dead. And John's just going to leave. You got to imagine that he still has something up his sleeve in terms of fighting these White Walkers. But that being said, the Jon Snow that has returned from the dead does not seem to be a super confident Jon Snow. This seems to be a Jon Snow who has been through some stuff and is really licking his wounds right now. What did you think of John's attitude when John woke up? He seems to be really down on himself right now. Is it the whole thing about being dead and there was nothing? Is that it? Is that kind of a downer? I got to imagine that's a bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. It's like, you know, you think that maybe there's imagine something there's there. no heaven. Yeah, there's no heaven. Imagine all the people, you know, there's no one there and you just you get killed, you get stabbed and then it's total darkness and then you're back. And that is probably a bit of a shock. Uh, I don't know how devout John was. You know, he prayed to the old gods and all of that stuff. I don't know if he was super religious in that regard, but he at least believed in it to some extent. And for him to cross over to the great beyond and it turns out that there's nothing so great about the great beyond. That's got to be a little disconcerting. Yeah, you know, I feel like that there's been some talk of what happens to you after you die uh, in different parts of the world. And uh, certainly with the Dothraki, I feel like we've talked about that. But what? where do you go when you die, according to the seven? Have, has that been discussed? I don't know. I'm not a religious man myself, Rob, so I don't dabble too much. The high in sparrow the, uh, on here. Yeah, we should get him as a special correspondent, maybe for the feedback show. <laughs> maybe we could do that. And maybe anyway, we could tap into him. But what is Jon Snow doing? Does he go in, Is he going to join the wildlings? Is he just completely leaving the, the north? Who knows? Who knows what he's going to do? I mean, I think that we saw we saw pretty clearly what his feelings toward the watch are right now. You know, the first order of business when he comes back to life other than 
Davos, please give me something to cover myself up. This is really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, freaking Tormund Giantsbane later has to make a big deal out of it. What a... Yeah. That was a real lame move. Do you know how cold it is at the wall, It's Tormund? really cold. Cold at the wall. He's dead. Things are going to start happening. Like, be cool. Be cool about this, Tormund. Not everyone's a giant, you know? Yeah. It's different standards. Having sex uh, with a bear. <laughs> yeah, that's not really Jon Snow's thing. Um, but yeah, I think that we see pretty clearly that, you know, one of the first things Jon says to Davos is it. like, right. yeah, okay, all right, all right, easy. Sorry, a little defensive. But yeah, but he says, you know, I I did the right thing. I did what I thought was right. I brought the wildlings through the wall and I got murdered for it. Um, so I think that that, you know, we're talking about crises of, of faith uh, that's been happening on this show this season so far really accented with Melisandre's crisis of faith. Um, I think that we're now seeing that with Jon Snow. We're coming back to life. It's not like he is now here with all this renewed confidence that everything he was doing is right. I'm clearly very special. I'm not supposed to be here, yet here I am. That's pretty sweet. Instead, it's more, I can't believe I got killed in the first place. I can't believe that my actions led to me getting killed what kind of place do I have here among people who think that I'm a traitor and are you know, thinking that so harshly that they are willing to stab me to death? I just don't want to be here anymore. So I don't know. I think we're, I think we're in for a little emo Jon Snow right now. I'm not so sure that that's the Jon Snow oh, I want to see. But I think that we've got a little bit of emo snow going Kylo on Kylo John. Kylo John, I think, is a thing. I mean, does he head down to Winterfell? I mean, I think that uh, that's not going to be too good. I mean, we have people, we have uh, Ramsey coming to the north, seemingly, uh, to go fight off the wildlings. Uh, You have to feel like at some point Jon Snow is going to get dragged back into that. But, you know, without Sam there, you know, we saw back in the first season, I believe, when Jon Snow tries to leave the wall, that his friends you know get him to come yeah, back they dragged him back yeah doesn't have that many friends left i don't know i mean he had like a really great bro hug in with dolores ed you know it was really just like come on in ed let's hug it Coming out back for you know? ed i really liked that john snow came back from the dead as a hugger like he really like became more like uh you know well, touchy feely and comfortable with his emotions i liked that mm-hmm. sure uh, but where where is he going? I don't know. I mean, I think that that's the question. It depends on when he's leaving the wall. You got to imagine he's going to pack up his things. There's got to be a scene of like Ed being like, no, don't go. And he's like packing up his dorm room. Um, and if it takes him a while to pack and leave the thing, maybe he is leaving Castle Black as Sansa Stark is rolling up on it. Or maybe he leaves Castle Black and runs into Sansa and Brienne somewhere out there, either in the gift or somewhere else in the north. I think that that's not impossible that John Snor, we, we've been talking about like, is John's story going to link up with Santa? We were called naive for thinking that that might be a possibility during the feedback show. But I think with John leaving and Santa heading in that direction, pretty easy to see how those two would cross paths. So my money right now is on some sort of meeting between those two characters. And certainly some sort of meeting between John and Ramsey feels a little bit inevitable at this point, because Ramsey really does seem to have his eye on that situation with Jon Snow and his wildling army. Josh, were you frustrated that there wasn't more between Melisandre and Jon Snow tonight in terms of she's like, oh, Stannis wasn't the prince that was promised. You would think that right. she would have that. You, see, you saw Davos even say, uh, could we get a minute in here? Like, okay, but she's <laughs> I like, can that. I get some time also? Can I get yeah. some FaceTime with uh, the prince that was promised if, if that's possible? Yeah, we need possible? some boy talk right now. 
Um, yeah, I was a little frustrated. You know, this is a show, Game of Thrones serves many masters, or maesters, if you will. You know, Game of Thrones is a, is a show that has a lot going on. Many, many characters, many different stories, so many balls that are up in the air, impossible to juggle. Not even Dan Foley could pull it off. It's a really difficult juggling act, and I think that, you know, you, you always want to check in on the stories and see where things are, and every episode has to advance as many stories as they possibly can. That being said, I think with the severity of Jon Snow's resurrection and how wildly different that is from just about anything we've seen on the show. We've seen a couple of resurrections in the past, nothing even close to this major, nothing even close to this level of like a pop culture event, the return of Jon Snow following the death of Jon Snow, which, you know, was over our heads like this really grim cloud over the past nine months. Um, I feel like a little more time spent on the Jon Snow storyline at the expense of cutting I don't know, one or two stories from this episode. Did we need Samuel Tarly on a boat tonight? And you know I love me some Sam. Not to say anything bad about Sam, but did we need that storyline when we could have spent a little more time with John, talking to Melisandre, talking to somebody else? So I was feeling like, um, you know, with the big event of John returning from the dead last week, I would have liked to have spent more time on that character, exploring what it means to be alive again all of a sudden. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree uh, with you too much. I mean, we have gone back there. It seems like all three of these episodes this season, they've all started at the wall and then come back and ended at the wall, had the last scene there, all three of those episodes. So, I mean, we are getting two scenes there where all these other places were pretty much just seeing one, you know, five minutes, six minutes with each character around the horn. But it does seem like, you or know, no. yeah, you want to start start, start to uh, service that story uh, a bit more. And I'm sure we will get those answers as we go along. But, little, you know, a little frustrating that now that he's back. But now you figured he was going to jump up as he did and know exactly what needs to be done. And now he's back. But it's like, yeah, I don't know what to do. And a crisis yeah. of conscience of uh, where what, what am I doing with myself? Right. And I think that just a little more elaboration would have been great. You know, just a little bit more time spent with this guy who has been on ice for the past two episodes, has been present, but has been dead for the past two episodes, has not been saying a whole heap and a lot of anything. I think it would have been nice to spend a little more time with John. What we did get from him was really interesting. It's just it's hard to tell exactly where he's going from here right now. All right. Well, let's jump into the brand story because that i think people are very excited to hear you get into and so once again we got to see bran he is quantum leaping through westeros history and we got to see uh this fight against uh sir arthur dane yeah sir arthur dane the sword of the morning who is you know one of the legendary warriors in westeros he is you know he is considered from that era to be one of the best swordsmen um, somebody who is highly, high, highly regarded. I think even though Ned Stark is going to fight him, you get the sense that there is mutual respect there. Um, Arthur Dane is a really cool character. This whole sequence, this is called the Tower of Joy. Uh, and not to dive too far into what it means, only what was shown on the show. Um, it is a it is a moment that a lot of people who've read the books have really obsessed over in the time since these books have started coming out. It's prominently featured in the Ned chapters in A Game of Thrones. He thinks back to this memory Quite often, and there was every reason in the world to believe that this scene would never make it onto the show. It was almost harder to think of why would the Tower of Joy be on the show. And the fact that it was on the show and we got to see it through Bran Stark's eyes, it was really exciting. It was really cool. It was not the full Monty. It was not the full enchilada of what a lot of people, I think, were hoping and expecting to see. 
from this storyline tonight. We'll talk more about that in Book Club, but it was still a really cool sequence, I thought, to see. And it's awesome. Isn't it awesome to see Ned Stark back on the show? It's not Sean Bean, but it's still cool to have that character back in the mix and have him be kind of prominent through these first three episodes back. What'd you think of young Ned Stark? I liked him. You know, he's not Sean Bean. He's no Sean Bean. Uh, hard, hard to, hard to reach those heights, but I thought that he was a good actor and I thought that he did a serviceable job there. And it was just cool to see him in an action scene. Uh, and just cool to see that Ned Stark, even though he is long dead. And I think that it's really easy to say that Ned Stark's purpose on Game of Thrones was pretty purely just to set up the stakes of anybody can die at any point. Here's the guy who you think is your protagonist. Whoops, off with his head. Now you have no idea what direction the show is heading in. I think a lot of people probably just think on a surface level that that is the purpose of the Ned Stark character. The fact that we are now seeing him again in season six and sort of seeing his legacy play out a little bit, I think speaks to the fact that that character is a little more important than maybe people give him credit for it. You can't blame anybody for not really thinking about Ned Stark too often in 2016, but he seems to be a bigger deal than, than we thought going into the season, which is cool. Young Ned Stark, I thought he looked a little bit like if Sean Bean and Neil Patrick Harris had a kid. <laughs> yeah, if it was Neil Patrick Harris cosplaying as Eddard Stark. Right, right. Halloween. So I, I've had a long-standing theory of SB plus NPH uh, equals, equals uh, YNS, Young Ned Stark. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, this is complicated math. Can you, that's SB. <laughs> yes. Plus, plus NPH. NPH. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's the short name YNS. for this theory. YNS. That's just what, the short name for what I call that. All uh, right. So well, what I'm was, not very good at math, so I'm going to have to take some time to process that. <laughs> what was the significance to you that, okay, so we didn't get to see what was going on up in the tower but right. what was the significance to you of why Game of Thrones showed us this scene in particular, other than, oh, it was a really cool fight? Right. Well, I think that, you know, what's interesting is the Three-Eyed Raven is he's really curating these visions for Bran. You know, he is showing things to Bran with a very sp- specific agenda in mind. He wants to show Bran things that matter in Westeros history. We know that eventually he is going to be showing Bran, quote unquote, everything Everything seems to be a pretty tall order, but I think it depends on how you drill down into the meaning of everything. And is it everything that matters? Like, is that the rest of the sentence? I'm going to show you everything that counts. I'm going to show you everything that's super important. So you got to imagine that the scene that we saw last week with Bran going back to Winterfell and the scene this week of Bran seeing his father in the middle of battle with, you know, Bran, with, with Ned showing up to, to, with his posse and going up to Arthur Dane saying, where's my sister? All of this has to have some greater import for what the Three-Eyed Raven wants Bran to do later on down the line. Uh, So I think Game of Thrones is showing this to us because slowly, piece by piece, we are starting to get the picture of something that's going to be very, very big for the Bran story, maybe for Game of Thrones as a whole. I would say that nothing is without purpose in the Bran flashbacks. Well, I really hope it's not going to be everything, everything, including the stuff that's not important. I mean, if it's like bonus features on the DVD, that's fine. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> it's going to be like in Spaceballs when they're like, okay, what part of the show are we watching now? Yeah. <laughs> We're looking. This is now now. This is what's happening right now in this right. episode. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Spaceballs because I do feel like Game of Thrones kind of took a turn for the sci-fi tonight, right? You know, you have this moment where Bran is traveling back in time and he's witnessing this whole big battle and there's the big reveal that Ned Stark doesn't kill Arthur Dane mm-hmm. the way that Bran had heard in the stories. Ned hears screaming from the tower. He goes to search for it. 
He is walking up those stairs. Bran shouts after him. He says, Dad, Dad. And Ned Stark freaking stops and turns around toward the noise of Bran. And he doesn't see anything. You know, Bran is not there when he's looking. But he he heard something. He heard Bran Stark. Are we in the time travel season of Game of Thrones officially? Like, is this... Like, are we in, like, lost territory here? Are we in sci-fi Game of Thrones right now? Well, tell that me. kind of melted my mind a little bit. What's the worldview here? Is whatever happened, happened? Or can right. Bran change the past? Because... Well, that's... Yeah, that's a big question. Really, if Bran can sort of prevent his own birth, then he'll never get pushed out of the window by Jamie Lannister, and this whole chain of events never really ends up happening the same way. Feels like you don't want to prevent your own birth. Like, feels like you want to you wanna be born. Like, that would be great. That would be good so that you're around at some point in life. Uh, but, I mean, the Three-Eyed Raven says to Bran that the, um, the past is already written, the ink is already dry, which is like the very poetic Game of Thrones version of whatever happened, happened. But do we believe that? Do we believe that the Three-Eyed Raven is telling us the truth, or is he telling Bran that so that he's kind of trying to pacify Bran and basically say yeah that thing that you think you can do you can't do that like it's not in your skill set it's not a possibility but what if it is and what if the raven is just trying to caution Bran into not doing something super crazy because that's really going to f with the timeline and suddenly we're gonna be in all sorts of like alternate dimension craziness game of thrones land i don't know it really messed with me that was a big surprise to me that Bran was able to kind of interact with the past in that way. Yeah, that was very interesting to see what's going to go on. I actually hope that that's not the case because I feel like that potentially we could see some interesting stuff uh, shown to us in the next couple of weeks. And Bran will just be screaming through the whole thing like, Dad, 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 like, shut up, shut up. We want to hear what he's going to say. Yeah, it's like, shut up. We it's have to hear this. This is important. Shh, shh. Yeah, don't talk during the movie. So it's really cool stuff. You talked through the best part. <laughs> okay. But uh Bran, then Bran is gonna is supposed to leave. Do, do, do you have any sense uh from seeing all this stuff where he would be headed to? No, I don't. I mean it took him the like Raven... a season to get there. I feel like I movie. know. The show's gonna be <laughs> really, over by the time he gets back. Really did take him a while. No, the Raven, you know, the Raven says you're not going to be an old man in a tree like me. You're not gonna be this. Um and we heard in the previous episode when the child of the forest says to Mira Bran's not going to need you here, but he's going to need you out there. Um, so Bran is not being groomed to live in this weirwood tree complex for the rest of his life. He is going to get out there eventually where he's going to go, what he's going to do with that knowledge, TBD, and whether or not he's going to go out there, you know, kind of of his own volition, or is he going to be forced out there? Like, is something going to happen that is going to cause him to be on the run again? Uh, well, I mean, I guess Hodor would technically be doing the running, but Bran would be with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a possibility as well. So I think uh, really, really the sky is the limit with that character. And based on what we saw tonight, I thought that that was really fascinating stuff. Really amped up on the Bran story. Let's head back to Winterfell and talk about what's going on there. And uh, we got to see Ramsey. He's holding court and he's talking with one of the Umbers. Yeah, the Umbers. You remember the great John? Do you remember the great John Umber from season one? He was like the big guy that uh, was challenging Rob. And then like he fed his fingers to a dog. And then he was like, oh, your dog loves tough meat. It's pretty good stuff. And so like he was suddenly all in on the king of the north. So apparently I guess that guy is not alive anymore. And the the Umbers are now who were they were formerly super team Stark. And now they are team Bolton all the way. All right. So they bring a gift for Ramsey. 
And uh, we see not only the return of Asha the Wildling, but also we've been wondering where he was forever. Yeah. It's a it's a reckoning. Yeah. Rickon Stark is back. Who had that in their pool? Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Who had that in their Jane pool? Yeah, Rickon is back. He is back in the mix here. Uh, there was a whole Tumblr that was de- devoted to where is Rickon.tumblr.com, I think is what it was. And just lots of really funny gifts of, you know, inserting pictures of Rickon in everyday situations. Uh, I guess we know the answer now. And unfortunately, the answer is no laughing matter. Certainly no laughing matter, Rob, for poor Shaggy Dog. Yes. Poor went out. We lost another dire wolf and it was terrible. People were upset. It's not great. It's not good. It's not great. Here we are. It's almost like we took, you know, one step forward and Sansa escaped from Ramsey's clutches. Now take two steps back. And now we have Rick on now in the clutches of Ramsey uh, with Asha. This is awful. <laughs> this is really, really bad. This is terrible news for poor Rick on. I mean, think about like, what's the best case scenario for this character? Like he has to be freed next episode. Otherwise, he is losing fingers. He is losing toes. The reckoning. The, the reckoning is really going to happen. And, you know, we're talking about the reckoning, but it really will be a reckoning, I think. I mean, any time that Ramsey has been in power over anybody, when has he ever shown restraint? It's not in his toolbox. He does not have that. He just destroys people. He ravaged Theon Greyjoy. He was not kind to Sansa Stark. What's going to stop him from being really awful to Rick on, especially when he doesn't seem to want any Starks alive anymore. So what's his incentive to keep Rick on Stark alive? I feel like, Rob, I know you were really optimistic about the Stark siblings making it out of this thing okay, but Rick on's in a real bad spot right now. Yeah, he really doesn't have a story also. So you could lose him. I feel like he's probably the most expendable of the Starks. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. Right, but Absolutely. maybe... Like, you could lose Rick on and you'd be like, who's that? But maybe that's that? the word that we need to hear for Jon Snow to go back and either pick up the wildlings or get back into the cause when he's sort of like, uh, he hears from, you know, the, you know, uh, he passes through Umber camp and it's like, oh, yeah, did you hear that Rick on Stark got sent to, you know, Winterfell and he's in the clutches of uh, Ramsey Bolton? Like, what? And then Jon Snow ultimately rejoins the cause to sort of save his youngest brother. Yeah, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. And I mean, we do know from Melisandre. Melisandre said, like, I saw Jon Snow in the fires. He was at Winterfell in a great battle. And I think now that we've seen Melisandre bring Jon Snow back to life, I think we need to start, like, reevaluating some of the things that she has said and done as probably a little more accurate than we had given credit in the past. Gotta imagine that Jon Snow winds up at Winterfell at some point on this show. Uh, and that seems to me to be a pretty good reason to get him there. If he finds out that Rickon is there and I got to do something to save him, blah, blah, blah. That could be that could be the best news possible for Rickon Stark. Still feel like John won't get there before Rickon loses like a nose or an ear or something like that. Oh, no, it's going to be oh, no. it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. All right. Uh, well, at least one Stark got one of their senses back that Arya yeah. had like a training montage. And uh, <laughs> yeah. at the end of it, uh, the girl is no one and the girl can see. Yeah, wasn't it really super satisfying to watch Arya tool on Arya 2 mm-hmm. at certain points? Yeah. Like, it was just great to see Arya 2 so frustrated. Uh, really hate that character. <laughs> yeah. Really down on Arya 2. Yeah. Emphasis on 2. Yeah, she's not good. I mean, really, it, it's almost like how could 
Aria one actually sustained that beating. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I don't know how she wouldn't be dead that she took so many staff <laughs> hits to the face. What uh, are the odds that next week's episode includes Arya Stark getting hit with a staff once again? Because we're three for three right now of just scenes of Arya Stark just getting beaten with a whooping stick. Yeah, she really did uh, take a beating, and uh, luckily, hopefully, the worst is over now. Has she graduated the House of Black and White? Did she graduate, or did she just get her eyes back? I couldn't tell if it was like that was pure graduation day, but she seems to be considered as a true bona fide no one right now. And typically, that's not what you want to hear. Like, you don't want to have somebody say like you are just like a straight up nobody. But in the context of the House of Black and White, this is great news. Yeah. So, yeah, this is good stuff for Arya this week. Okay, so Arya's list. We talked about this in the preseason in the Road to Westeros uh, leading up to it. Sounds like Arya's list is really uh, a very truncated Arya list. Edited for screen time, perhaps. You know, <laughs> just like the runtime of the episode was just a little limited. But she ha- yeah, she has three names on there right now. Cersei Lannister, Gregor Clegane, and Walder Frey. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's everybody. Yeah, it feels like a manageable list. It's like a very. Yeah, I wish my to do list was that short. I mean, one of those items on the list is the mountain, and he's a zombie, so that's going to be a tough hill to climb, literally. Uh, but the other two, I feel like you can handle that, are you? You got that. You've got Cersei and Walder Frey unlocked. That's going to be easy pickings for you. Yeah. Okay. So, we'll can you imagine Arya Stark versus the mountain? Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a hell of a fight. Yeah, it's little shades of the uh, Red Viper rematch. Yeah, except hopefully Arya's head doesn't explode. Yeah. She already got blinded, you know. She doesn't need to get, like, blinded with thumbs in the eyes. All right. Uh, so speaking of things that happened at King's Landing, and unless is there anything else about Arya you want to t- touch on? No, I mean, I think it was, you know, it was a training montage, and Arya has her sight back. It's great. I mean, we were wondering if Arya was going to be blind for a long time. A lot of these Season 5 cliffhangers seem to be resolving rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, boom, you know, boom, Jon boom, Snow... Boom. Jon Snow was dead. Now he's not dead. Arya was blind. Now she's not blind. Uh, I feel like this is better. I, I want Arya to be able to see again, and I want to see what they do with her next. If it wasn't no for Rickon, I'd say this is really uh, everything looking up for the Starks at this point. Yeah, but that's a real <laughs> blemish on the record. Yeah. That's a real that's a real bad situation we've got going on there. <laughs> All right. Really not great. Uh, let's talk about uh, this uh, business going on at the King's Landing. Uh, so... Uh, we got to see first. Uh, we got to see a lot of uh, the uh, little birds uh, from Varys, which I really was very excited to see on the show. Uh, no, Mark the Chicken, unfortunately. <laughs> no. yeah, I thought that he would have been one of the little birds, but maybe one of those children's name was Mark. Probably, probably, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was cool. It, it, you know, Kyburn is the master of whisperers now, or at least was under the Cersei Lannister regime. I don't know if he still holds the title. Probably not, considering uh, that, you know, Maester Pycelle is really selling that guy down the river during the small council meeting. Um, but either way, Kyburn has kind of stepped into that role. Uh, and he has kind of become Cersei's closest advisor, ear to the ground, really paying attention to what's going on. And so to see him inherit Varys's birds, that's interesting, especially because I think we can, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Kyburn is a much more sinister individual than Varys ever was. And Varys was a guy who kept a magician locked up in his locked box for however many years. And that was pretty sinister. But Maester Kyburn is a worse dude. So what's he going to do with like this small army of little kids? That's going to be pretty effed up potentially. 
Yep, getting a lot of secrets. I love Kyburn. Kyburn is uh I'm a big Kyburn guy. You're in on Kyburn. You're, in on yeah, Kyburn. you're, feel, you're feeling the Kyburn? Yes. Yeah, feeling yeah. the Kyburn. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. Um yeah. and so we got to see Cersei and Jamie basically uh crashing the small council meeting. Uh and uh look at this small council that we have. Uh Kevin Lannister yeah. is running it with Kyburn, uh the Queen of Thorns. And uh, which Tyrell is that? Uh, that's Mace Tyrell. Mace Tyrell. Okay, well, he's yeah. back. Yeah, he's back from Bravos, okay. I guess. All right. Is anyone asking, like, what happened to Marin Trant? He's like, oh, we don't want to talk about what happened to Marin Trant. <laughs> you, was, you know Marin Trant. He gets all you know, liquored Classic up. Marin Trant. Yeah. Classic Marin Trant disappeared. We don't know. All right. So everybody, everybody's back, and Cersei and Jamie just, like, pull up a chair and say, hey, we want to be in on this. I loved that. I thought it was great where, uh, you know, they're like, you can't force us to leave. And Kevin's like, you're right, but we can go. <laughs> See you later. We're going to small council it up in a smaller room. Now, how about uh, Pycelle, who really just put his foot in his mouth completely uh, in this episode, was talking trash about uh, Sir Robert Strong right when Sir Robert Strong walked in. Yeah, it was a great moment where like he's just like going on and on and on, and like everyone in the room is like, "Oh no, don't don't keep saying that, Maester Pycelle." And you just have this moment where Maester Pycelle more or less should have just been like, "He's right behind me, isn't he?" <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's right. He's right there, isn't he? He's right there. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I liked that. I thought this whole scene was really great, and just the ending of it, leaving Cersei and Jamie and Robert Strong just hanging out in there was so so awkward. It was just really good comedy. I thought. Yeah, I also got to see. I watched this show uh, with the closed captioning on, Josh, and uh-huh. uh, there's that moment when Pycelle is talking, and then uh, the mountain walks in, and I got to see in closed captioning uh, in uh, <laughs> in uh, parentheses uh, Pycelle farts. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'll go back. What do you Maybe... mean, self farts? Yeah, that's what it says. I- I'll try to pause it and get the screenshot of my closed captioning later on. Why tonight. is he farting? I, that's what happens. That's uh, is that the is that the oath that he's breaking? Is that what the he called wind, wind in Westeros? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, wait. So are you saying that Maester Pycelle was a total Maester farty? <laughs> yeah, that at that point he was. Yeah. At that point he was. Uh, so uh, I- interesting. Uh, we then we got to see a real sit down uh, between King Tommen and uh, the High Sparrow, talking about what's going on. And I'd love to get your take on this. D- did the High Sparrow really uh, set the king straight? Is is Tommen really seeing things the High Sparrow's way? Man, Tommen is like the most malleable human being on the planet. Like, he could really tell Tom in anything, and if you say it in a convincing enough way, he's, like, going to be completely on board until somebody tells him in an equally compelling way the exact opposite of the thing, and then he will be on board with that. He really, uh, he he flip-flops like a flapjack, this guy. You know? <laughs> he did it, it really, two times! Yeah, three, yeah. Yeah, he really does. Like, I feel like he was, you know, he goes in there feeling that Lannister bravado, ready to roar at the High Sparrow, and the High Sparrow, who is you know, admittedly really great with words is a solid manipulator, certainly manipulated Cersei in season five and has gotten himself into this great position of power. He really just sits down Tom and is like, listen, you know, your mom is just using you. And like, she's definitely a sinner. And you know that. And Tom's like, oh, you know, you raise an interesting point. Yeah, I didn't uh, so yeah, that I hadn't thought about it like that. I think that Tommen is, you know, I think right now he's sipping the high sparrow Kool-Aid for at least the the time being. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that we are going to probably be seeing with Tom in this season is this tension between loyalty to his mom and loyalty to his wife. And he might think 
that through the high sparrow and being diplomatic with him or listening to him and hearing him out or maybe even actually believing in the high sparrow's teachings is going to be the best way to get Marjorie back. Uh, so, yeah, my read on the scene was that he was at least really compelled by what the high sparrow was putting down if he wasn't quite fully picking it up. All right. Hate that high sparrow. I know you do. The You're not feeling the burn there. No, yeah. definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever, uh, you know, talk to one of these high sparrow uh, followers? They're always talking about how great the high sparrow is. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's brutal. All right. Yeah. Uh, then let's go to uh, talk about what's going on in Marine. And uh, boy, uh, they really are giving uh, Peter Dinklage and Tyrion a lot of rope to work with in these uh, scenes in Marine this season. You know, a whole lot of nothing happened in Meereen this week. Uh, but that being said, <laughs> r- really fun to see Peter Dinklage bust out the I Never game again. You no, know, we had, it's, we had, mean, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. It's yeah. just like if, it, if we didn't have so much other stuff to get to. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot to go through. So I don't know that we, you know, and once again, when like that's what we're spending screen time on, when Jon Snow has just come back from the dead. I do think that I'd like to spend a little more time on that than to see Tyrion go through this whole scene of just, you know, kind of chewing on scenery. But that being said, it exists. And so to evaluate it as it exists, it was a really fun scene. And it's wonderful. Uh, and it, was yeah. a, it, was a, it was a great season one callback to him and Bronn and Shay playing I Never. I thought that that was really funny. And I love that the game didn't get off the ground, though it's really fun to imagine how that game plays out with Grey Worm and Missandei. I feel like it's a very tame game. All right, so the other big scene that we got to see uh, in Marine proper was Varys talking to uh, one of the prostitutes that was worked with the Sons of the Harpy. Uh, yeah. I, that I believe that that was the same prostitute that actually was had one of the Unsullied to tell me a story, and then that yeah. guy ended up uh, getting killed. And Varys has this long conversation with her, and uh, you know, interesting scene. Although, Josh, to you, was the payoff really? Uh, that big of a reveal in terms of, oh, the Sons of the Harpy are being funded by uh, the Masters in Yunkai and Astapor. Like, right. Duh. And Pentos. And Pentos as well, right? Didn't they say Pentos? What Was it uh, Volantis, I thought? Oh, Volantis. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so I think that, you know, is it a, I think it's a big reveal in its own right. You know, maybe a little anticlimactic. Maybe you're thinking like, oh, is it going to be someone we know is the one person who's pulling the strings? I think this is a little truer to Game of Thrones, you know, to see a bunch of politicians and like the people who are higher ups in these three different cities coming together for common ground against Daenerys Targaryen. That feels a little more Game of Thrones to me. And I think that, you know, that doesn't play out super dramatically necessarily in the reveal. But I think the ramifications are potentially enormous. Because now the thing that Danny and everyone who we like in Meereen is facing is not just this internal threat with the Sons of the Harpy, but all of Slaver's Bay, which we had thought that Danny had conquered, seems to have found its footing again. Um, and can we take care of that? And oh my, uh, taking care of that, if that delays a trip to Westeros, wowie wow wow. I think that there's going to be some angry people about that. Mm-hmm. But I think that the ramifications are potentially big because you hear Masande say, like, we're going to have to respond to these people in the only language they know. And the implication is, like, that language is violence, extreme violence. It's like, oh, you just thought we had to fix Marine? We have to fix yeah. all of Essos. Yeah, we've got to reform the whole continent. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll go to Westeros. Like, uh, and like then, Khaleesi, we need to double back right on to Yunkai. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I know you must have been happy to hear the word yunkai. <laughs> always, 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 always. Uh, but yeah, it's like, oh, oh, the masters are behind this. Yeah, well, uh, the, yeah. duh, duh, of course. <laughs> Maybe the uh, look. Uh, let's talk about Danny and uh, her at the senior citizen home. <laughs> All right, talk about it. What do you want to talk about there? Uh, yeah, not much other than uh, <laughs> like uh, it's like the Hotel California. You can uh, you can check out, but you can never leave. Yeah, you can never leave. I mean, well, maybe you can't even check in. Apparently, I mean, that's what the leader of that group is saying. Is like. You know, you'll be really lucky if you get to enroll here. Like, if we like you, we are going to allow you to stay with us. And if we don't like you, then that's not going to be great news for you. So, I mean, I think that the implication there is, like, Danny basically has to pass this test. Like, she has to she has to pass the board of approvals here. Pledge. Yeah, she has to pledge Doge Colleen. I don't know what, like, the symbols are for that uh, sorority house. But she has to pledge there. And if she doesn't make it, she's toast. Now, Daenerys Targaryen is not dying this way, but I am curious to know how long you think this storyline is going to play out before Danny just like runs shit and is just like completely in charge of this. It's got to be over next week. Has to be? <laughs> I guess it doesn't have to be, but come on. Ought come to be, on. Ought to be. Ought to be. What are we doing be. here? Yeah, let's get that, that get out, out of here right quick. Yeah, Hold the ripcord on this. Out George. of here, please. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I think that this storyline can't, can't imagine this goes on forever. And I think that the show has been moving at a pretty brisk clip with a lot of these different storylines this season. We saw, again, as we mentioned, with Arya, with John, with those cliffhangers getting resolved. I feel like it can't be like the entire season that Danny is going to be away from Tyrion and those guys. I think that that could be resolved pretty soon. To me, it was like a little bit of like an orange is the new black vibe of like, uh, okay, here you go, Danny. You're the new right. inmate here in the women's penitentiary. She's the Piper. Yeah. yeah. Pi- Piper Targaryen. Wait, hold on. I'm not supposed to be here. Like, oh, you're here now. I know. Better get with the program. Yeah, so is the person who's in charge, is she like V? Yes. Okay, I assume that you don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. You've Not following caught. it regularly, right. You've been caught. Orange uh, is the new Blackwater. <laughs> All right, uh, and then also uh, Sam and Gilly took a boat ride. <laughs> sure they did yeah, poor sam yeah they did poor sam poor sam yeah first sighting of sam all season and gilly all season and it was just for him to like barf into a barf bag and man sam had been looking so cool up until that point it's like this is this is what we come back to with sam it's him just puking on a boat yeah not great gilly yeah, headed to old town yeah but or like headed not- to sam's house Right, going to Sam's house, going to be living with Sam's parents. That's not going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, that's not a cool move, cool guy move. Yeah, just like offloading uh, your girlfriend onto your parents. It does seem to be, you know, you want to at least talk that through first. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, Gilly just kind of seems to be like, well, what choice do I have? I kind of got to do it. I got to trust you on this, Sam. Yeah. What did you think about Gilly saying that Sam is little Sam's father? Obviously not biological, but she's considering him to be little Sam's daddy-o. Okay. I mean, it's great. Uh, Mazel Tov to Samuel Tarley, right? You know, Mazel. Yeah, this is good. All right, uh, Josh. We have so many questions uh, from the listeners uh, and the people right. watching us live. You want to jump into a bunch of them? Of course, I do. All right, uh, let's uh, go a little bit all over the place. Uh, this is from uh, KDD. What was that whole teaspoon of powder in a bottle thing with Aria? Was she mixing some sort of uh, antidote for her blindness? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's what she ends up drinking at the end, and she seems to be cured of her blindness at that point, right? So it seemed to be some sort of power shake that gives you really great visibility. <laughs> gives her really uh, good for the eyes. Ranch chain amino acids. 
Dude, if the if the option is like drink this powder drink and you have awesome eyesight or get LASIK, I think I'm going to drink the shake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a, a question uh, from uh, TV is our real mom wants to know. Lord Umber's a double agent, right? He was pretty careful not to kneel or swear an oath. Is there hope for Shaggy Dog? Josh, are you seeing I mean, that? <laughs> well, there's no hope. I don't think that there's much hope for Shaggy Dog. Uh, Shaggy Dog look pretty dead. Unless you're saying that that's not Shaggy yeah, Dog, is it the and it's a different thing dog. where it's like, "Hey, this is the this is the Stark Dog. I found it." Right. I mean, I don't think. Th- I mean, that's interesting. Like that would be kind of poetic in its own right. Uh, that you know, that's what the world thought happened to Rick on, and then you know, Rick on kind of comes back in using that same tactic. That would be pretty cool. I did wonder. I did wonder. Like, is this such a clear cut situation where the Umbers have betrayed? the Starks when they were really tight with the Starks way back when um, this would be the only thing that is possible. Good news for Rickon, And I don't think it's off the table. I think we got to see how the story develops in the weeks ahead, but I think that there is, you know, there is not, there should, I think that we can have a little bit of hope that the Umbers are pulling one over on the Boltons and are still Stark loyalists at heart. You know, the North remembers and all of that good stuff. Maybe they are team Stark ultimately. Not for anything. If you were going to be duping Ramsey, wouldn't you also go through like, oh, okay, sure. Let me let me honor and uh, let me bow to Ramsey as, as I'm going to get one over on him. Well, you know, not everyone is a Bolton who, you know, really doesn't value their words at all. And a lot of the people in the North really get by on their word and on their oath and believing that they are honorable and have integrity and are sticking to the honor, loyal integrity, you know, really having those be their, you know, their core tenants in the way that they move about life. So for the Umber guy, like maybe for him to do that, to go that far, to bend the knee and pledge loyalty to Ramsey Bolton is a bridge too far for him. Uh, And he wants to maintain, you know, some level of dignity. I think, yeah, just go all the way. Just do the whole thing. But I could understand a northerner not agreeing with that philosophy. Uh, Ryan Cordes adds, uh, so that was a fake direwolf head, right? It looked much smaller than Grey Wind's head. All right, well, got to roll back the tape and see. I think that there's something interesting there. I think that there's an interesting possibility there that I had been chewing on a little bit, but uh, nice to know that that's in the ether, that some other people are thinking. Okay, Katie D wants to say, uh, Tyrion just wants a good game of beer pong or truth or dare. Too bad he's hanging out with the most boring couple ever. <laughs> yeah, they are really straight edge. Is that the least desirable double date in Westeros? Well, it's a weird one to be the third wheel on, I think. You know, it's a, to be a fly on the wall of that relationship. I don't know. I could think of other twosomes that I'd be more interested in. <laughs> Who's the ideal? Who's the ideal double uh, date couple? Jamie and Cersei? I mean, that's going to get interesting. <laughs> uh, you're going to see some stuff that you didn't think you'd ever see. <laughs> okay. It's going to get real weird real fast. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a question uh, from uh, Dustin who wants to know, is the passing of John's coat part of uh, some uh, some Lord Commander election ceremony? So does it matter? Is that like a whoever has the coat or was just like, Hey, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. I think it's more the latter. I mean, I don't think that, you know, whoever wears the coat is immediately the guy I think, you know, and John says it too to Ed when Ed's like, what the hell do I do with this? And John says, wear it, burn it. I don't care. Uh, my watch is over. And I think it's less about John is anointing Ed as the new Lord commander of the night's watch. 
I think it's more just a sign of John being like, Dunzo, I'm finished. Jon Snow is out. Emo Snow is in. And I think that he is really just, pa- he's not passing the torch. He's walking away and it's now a Night's Watch gig to figure out who's going to be the new Lord Commander. And I don't take this to mean that Ed is automatically Lord Commander. Although that would be great. Lord Commander Ed would be pretty fun. William Northrup wants to know, how many episodes until we see inside the tower, Josh? Oh, until we see inside the tower? Hopefully not super long. And I do hope that we go in there. I think that we will. I think we will. I think that what's going on in there is pretty, pretty, pretty good. So I think we're going to want to see that. Okay, uh, Sarah Blackfire wants to know, do you think that we uh, Arya has really become no one? I remain skeptical. We still have Chekhov's needle out there. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I also remain uh, skeptical about that. I think that I think that Arya, you could really see Arya just like going through the motions. You've said that before. Like, is she just going through the motions of being with the faceless men just because she wants to use their skills to attain vengeance later on. Um, I think that that's still a possibility. I think that right now it seems like she's in like right now. It seems like she's really on board with what the faceless men are teaching, but I could very easily see that flipping at any point, you know, just like the next Marin tramp cruises through Bravos and Arya is once again, like, yeah, I'm just going to go kill that guy. So I think we're really just waiting for some shoe to drop that's going to cause Arya to confront her old self again. And I don't think it'll be that long before she snaps back into that mode. Okay. Uh, Our Philly wants to know, uh, what are the implications of the three-eyed raven literally waiting a thousand years for Bran? How powerful will he be when he leaves? How powerful will the raven be or will Bran be? I think Bran. I think I'd imagine Bran's going to be pretty powerful. Um, you know, if if this is really what the Raven has been here for, waiting for Bran Stark to show up so that he can impart all of his wisdom and all of his awesome ninja skills, like his crazy time travel ninja skills to Bran, that Bran's going to be pretty good. And I think that the other thing, too, is like the Raven looked really freaked out when Bran was able to shout at Ned and Ned was able to hear him. I think the Raven was like, not great. Uh, he's not ready for this. So I think that that really, you know, more than anything of like the Raven, like sticking around waiting for Bran, I think that that moment really speaks to the potential power levels of Bran Stark. And that's, you know, that's some big stuff. That's some, you know, real game changing stuff if they really decide to follow down that rabbit hole. Jonathan Gonzalez wants to say, do you think that John's leaving Castle Black because he's upset over Tormund's off color comment about his manhood? (laughs) Yeah, he's probably not pumped about that. Yeah. My pecker's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Leave it alone. He was upset. He was very upset about that. Uh, Unbelievable. (laughs) That a lot of our commenters are on board with this Umber is faking and trying to trick Ramsey. I like it. I like that. That's great. I mean, any theory that doesn't end with Ramsey cutting off Rickon's nose and ears and eyebrows is good in my book, especially if it comes at the expense of Ramsey's pride. That being said, I feel like this Umber plan, if he if he is double crossing Ramsey, he's brought Rick on here. Like you could see, you could see Ramsey sniffing that out. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Ramsey's good at sniffing out the ruse, and maybe this thing backfires. Yes, he sniffed out the ruse last week. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> uh, he snuffed the ruse. Yeah. All right. Ethan says, uh, "Do you think that meeting uh, with the Clar Vezen? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, will be an opportunity for Daenerys to okay. finally amass her army." Well, I mean, I think that that's been one of the things she's been doing, you know, throughout her entire time on the show is like she keeps recruiting people, you know, more and more people are coming to her cause like every season, every passing season, there are new people added to the entourage 
Uh, I could absolutely see her bringing a bunch of these people to her side. Like, it's so easy to see, like, that epic monologue that Amelia Clark delivers two episodes from now where she's like, I'm in charge here. This is my sorority now. And first rule is no one has to stay in this house. In fact, you can come with me and conquer a lot of really big houses across the world. Who wants to go? I think a lot of them are going to be really into that. Okay. Geek Furious says, now that John's watch is ended, does that mean he will leave right before Sansa gets to him? Also, there's no way in any realm that Rickon won't be used as a pawn to draw John and Sansa into a fight with Ramsay. I feel another Stark death is coming because the only Stark that is allowed to live without a dire wolf is Sansa. It is known. Oh, is that true? That's the rule. Uh, listen, I think that I think that another Stark could die for sure. I don't think that that's off the table. I've said before, like I could see Arya not making it through this whole show. And right now, given where Rickon is, like I'm very worried for that character, especially because he's expendable. Uh, you know, he hasn't been on the show in forever. And even when he was on the show, what was he doing? Um, will John not see Sansa when he leaves the Wall? Like the mechanics of that. It's challenging to imagine that they're just like going to pass through the same area and not run into each other. I feel like that's going to be weird to justify on the show. If he's going south from Castle Black and she's heading toward Castle Black, you got to think that they're going to encounter each other. I think that John and Sans are going to meet up. Okay. S. Labua says, I'm glad Missande and Grey Worm don't have a podcast based on their conversation skills. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What would it be called? Pod Troll? Oh, the- <laughs> Yeah, and he's just like giving updates on his patrols. Oh patrol boy! Today. Yeah, if if, if, if you gave us uh, sixty seconds, I'm sure we could come up with uh, with something good. Uh, yeah, ear gray worm. Yeah, ear <laughs> gray. It's good. All right, uh, Josh. What is the hashtag tonight? Ooh, I don't know. Do you have any good suggestions? Uh, feel the, the top Kyburn. Of Feel the Kyburn. That's good. I like that. I also have SB plus NPH equals <laughs> well, YNS. I don't think you get plus Anyone's ambitious. Any ambition. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag 100%. Yeah. Uh, 110%. Yeah. Just uh, wait for what we, what happens uh, with this Tower of Joy. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Wait for yeah. it. Dairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Very exciting stuff, Josh. And I can't believe it. Three episodes in. Only seven to go. Only seven to go. It is flying. It really is fun stuff. Really seven. happy with the season. You know, it's definitely been definitely been enter- entertaining so far. Yeah. So looking forward to all the podcasting this week. Looking forward to feedback show. Looking forward to book club. We want to get those questions from people. How do they do it? Okay, here is what you do. You can either email us got at postshowrecaps dot com, or you can send them in to our voicemail line at postshowrecaps dot com slash voicemail. We got so many questions last week. I I, I, I we was blown a lot. Away. Great feedback show last week. How long did we go? We we went like an hour, 15 15, minutes. That was really fun. It was great. It was a really good show. So those are always fun, and especially the more voicemails we have to play with, the better. So send those voicemails in. Really want to hear those. We're going to do book club this week. We'll probably record that on Wednesday morning. So get those questions in at postshowrecaps.com slash feedback or got at postshowrecaps.com by Tuesday night, I would say. And uh, same thing for the feedback show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing you could do to help out the show, if you are subscribing to the show or if you just want to hook us up with some stark ratings, you can go to our iTunes page, go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. Uh, that's our page in the iTunes store. Uh, comments, stark ratings. Uh, we always appreciate that. And it helps more and more people find the show. Josh. I'm sure you've got a million things in the hopper for the Hollywood reporter. Anything you can give yeah. us a preview of? 
I am going to have a couple of interviews this week, potentially with Ollie. some of these. No, no. Well, maybe I should track that down. That's a good suggestion. Maybe I'll look into that. I'll see what I can do about that. Uh, but maybe, maybe talking to a, to one of the Starks coming up pretty soon. So keep an eye out for that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Follow Josh on Twitter if you want to get everything that he's doing. He's at at Round Howard. Of course, I'm at Rob Sisternino. Looking forward to uh, getting back with you guys live next Sunday night as well. Shout out to Alex Kidwell behind the scenes helping us round the up man. these questions. I love Alex Kidwell. He's like our king of the world. That guy. Yeah, he's our our little bird uh, behind the yeah. scenes. All right, yeah, collecting <laughs> collecting those tweets. All right, take care, everybody. Have a great night. <laughs>